0: Well, this is our fourth and I believe our final week uh, of looking at uh, Psalm 18. Uh, I've loved being in this psalm. It's been a great uh, blessing uh, to my soul and I hope it has been to your soul as well. I wasn't going to read it all through. It's a long psalm, but I've changed my mind. So if you'd like to open up your Bibles to Psalm 18. Psalm 18 verse 1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I called upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from mine enemies. The cords of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I cried for help. From his temple he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked, the foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire came from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me, because he delighted in me. The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord, and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all of his rules were before me, and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself yourself merciful, and with the blameless man, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you show yourself pure, and with the crooked, you make yourself seem torturous. For you save a humble people, but the haughty eyes you bring down. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. This verse 28 is what we'll be looking at today and the following. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord my God lightens my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord and who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend the bro- bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave me a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them, and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you equipped me with strength for battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with the people. You made me the head of nations. People whom I had not known served me. And as soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be the name. Blessed be my rock and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring. Forever. What a mighty psalm. Let's just pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for how you inspired men of old right down through the course of history since the creation of the world that You, O God, have been active in men's hearts and lives, and we thank you, Lord, for these things that they have recorded of their own experience of you, O God, how mighty and wonderful and grand and beyond understanding in the way that you intervene in the lives of sinful men. How you intervened, Lord, in David's life so that he was able to say he was blameless before you, the Lord. He was able to say that he was righteous and that you could look upon him in his righteousness, how these things, Lord, come about, because that you, O God, make the way for the blame, to be blameless, and you, O God, give your righteousness to your people. We just thank you, Lord, for the great and mighty God that you are. We pray, Lord, that as we open up the pages of your word today, that you would overwhelm us with a sense of your presence, with a sense of your might with a sense of your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Psalm 18, and we have seen that it is the Lord, Yahweh, that David loves. In looking back over his life, he has truly learnt it is Yahweh, the God of the nation of Israel's forefathers, and him alone, who is worthy of praise, because he alone is truly God. He is the God that can rescue and save him from death, the grave, from Satan and destruction. And it is to him alone that he cries out. He alone is the mighty wonder-working God who created the heavens and earth and sustains all things. And yet he hears from his throne in heaven the cries of his people in whom he delights. It is the Lord, Yahweh alone, in whom he can take refuge and find rest and from whom he can draw strength. David says that God has done all these things because the Lord Yahweh delighted in me. Last week, Tyler showed us that David was not being a hypocrite or arrogant in boasting in his righteousness. He was not even contradicting scripture. He was not boasting in self-righteousness, which is like filthy rags, but he was boasting in God-given righteousness. When David wrote this psalm, we can see he had a strong faith in God. And this psalm shows us his faith in action. In the psalm 24 that we read this morning in verses 3-6 to we saw that a man who can ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, who does not swear deceitfully, he receives blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. The righteousness that David was boasting in is this which he has received from God. And that righteousness, as we saw, that we receive from God is described in two ways. There's imputed righteousness, which is the righteousness of Jesus' perfect life, which covers us like a cloak and covers up all of our failings and our fallings so that God sees us perfect in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there is imparted righteousness which God puts into, his lo- into our lives as he sanctifies us. Our sin and our sinful desires are dealt with by the Holy Spirit's work of applying the great victory that Jesus obtained for us on that cross, taking us out of Satan's kingdom of sin and darkness and death and putting us into the kingdom of freedom, light and life of his dear son, thereby breaking the power of sin in our lives. We are enabled to have victory over the sinful desires of pleasing our flesh. And God replaces those desires with a desire for righteousness instead. And that righteousness steadily grows within us. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are filled with it by God. When we begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness, we begin to hate and abhor the sin that we once delighted in. God works in our hearts changing them from being self-focused pursuing sinful desires to being God-focused seeking to honour and obey him. So what God works in our hearts we have the responsibility to work out in our flesh in our actions. We do outwardly what God has done inwardly. So we, like David, have a right to rejoice and delight in the righteousness we have because it's not our own. It was purchased for us by Christ's death. It's a free gift of God to us. So trying to keep all that in mind, we're going to look at the remainder of the psalm. And we'll look at it under three headings. God's grace, verses 28 to 36. God's victory, verses 37 to 45. And God's glory, Verses 46 to 50. So God's grace. We know that David was a mighty warrior and men can have a heart of a warrior but they still need to be physically trained and equipped without which even the bravest of men will fail and fall in a battle. Soldiers and great army commanders need to be trained in identifying who the enemy is understanding the enemy and their tactics, they need to be able to strategise and be adaptable in working out battle tactics. However, when you go into the army, you don't immediately get into all that. They put you through boot camp, basic training, and that's what verses 28 to 36 address for David and for us. The equipping and training that God gives to David mirrors... The grace that God gives to us each day. Do you consider the ways in which God's grace comes to you? Verse 28. For it is you who light my lamp. The Lord, Yahweh, lightens my darkness. This is one of the ways that God gives us his grace by being our lamp and lighting our darkness. David is acknowledging that it is God who is his trainer who knows how he should be trained and in what he needs to be trained. God lights up the darkness in David's abilities. In his thinking, God shows David where he is lacking by shining a light on his weaknesses. Soldiers have to practice and practice and practice the areas that they're weak in until they become proficient in those things. As God shines the light of his word into our lives, we begin to see the areas where we fall short of God and his standards. We see the things that we are able to do and we see the things that we fail in. God shows us our weaknesses so that we can apply his word by the Holy Spirit into our lives. Our biggest weakness most often is lack of faith. We've been given faith as a gift, but it has to be exercised. Our whole life is to be lived continuously exercising faith. Our life comes undone when we fail to do so. Faith doesn't fail us. Rather, we fail to use it. A Christian's life is not an easy life. It is hard work. It is, as the Apostle Paul said, hard training and discipline. He beats his body into submission. Paul talks about us being engaged in warfare, spiritual warfare, war within, war without. Paul beats his body so that he can run the race and win the prize. Running and winning is all about doing the hard yards day in, day out in training and discipline. Verse 29, for by you I can run against a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. Here in this verse, David is crediting God with training that enables him to charge down an enemy troop and defeat them. God gives him the ability to attack and overcome a wall in a besieged city. And these are both great skills for a commander of an army to acquire. They are needful for him if he is to have success in battle. The only way we learn to charge down an enemy troop, how to leap over a wall of a besieged city, is to learn all the component actions that make up those battle operations and practise them, over and over and over again, until you're absolutely fluent in them, until they are second nature to you. They have to become imprinted muscle memory So that it just happens, almost unconsciously. It's the same with us. If we want to defeat our enemies and win mighty victories in our lives, we have to practice the basic principles of what it is to be a Christian. What are those basic principles? Jesus explained the principal characteristics to be found in all Christians in Matthew 5 verses 3-3 to 11. We call them the Beatitudes. Beatitudes might make them sound like a lovely optional extra to our Christian life, as if we want to be particularly blessed. But Jesus is saying that they are absolutely essential to the Christian character, that we are to have them. Jesus says, if we don't obey these words of his, we are foolish and our lives will be destroyed. Like a house built on the sand collapses when it's struck by a storm. The characteristics of the beatitude aren't things that we can pick up one by one as we go through life. They are all essential basic principles that go together to make up our Christian character. And they all act together as an imprinted memory within us to enable us to function and act spiritually as God would have us. Let's take a quick look, take a bit of a stock and see how ingrained they are into us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means that we recognise that we have a great need of God. Are we conscious day to day of our great need of God or do days fade into each other and we live our lives in our own strength? Life just grinds on till we crash out. And then we run to God because our lives are a mess. Being poor in spirit means recognising we need God every moment of every day. Blessed are those who mourn. This mourning is for our sins. Are we conscious of our sin? Does sin weigh heavily upon us? Cause us to mourn? Or do we just dismiss it and we say, ah, well, hopefully I'll do better next time. Blessed are the meek. Moses was called the meekest man on earth and Jesus described himself as meek and lowly. Both Jesus and Moses were the greatest men on earth and they did the greatest thing ever done on earth by men. Why are they meek? Because they gave all the glory to God. They didn't seek the glory of what they were unable to do for themselves. Moses once did take glory to himself when he struck that rock twice in the wilderness and God punished him by not letting him go into the promised land. Do we give all glory to God or do we like to revel in the glory for ourselves? Are we seekers of glory? Taking God's glory to ourselves is a seriously foolish thing to do. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Is our hunger and thirsting satisfied more by the world and worldly gain and worldly life than the righteousness that God would give us, the godly life that God would have us live? What is it that we are seeking to get out of life? To be filled by God with Christ's righteousness or are we focused on the earth and our treasures here, here and now? Blessed are the merciful. Is compassion and forgiveness at the forefront of our minds when dealing with others in sin? Is that our go to option? We are to speak the truth and see sin revealed. But is grace in our hearts for when conviction and repentance comes, to forgive? Are we ready to forgive 70 times 7? To forgive as we've been forgiven by God? Do we show mercy? and kindness to others like God has shown to us are we patient with others as God has been is being with us blessed are the pure in heart in psalm 24 we read that this morning david said he had clean hands and a pure heart james writes in chapter 4 verse 8 draw near to god and he will draw near to you Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. David, in ascending the hill of the Lord, standing in his holy place, was drawing near to God. Drawing near to God means that God begins to fill up your perceptions. We will see him in greater detail. Our affections become more engaged with him. Our lives are more taken up with him. The ideal is that our lives, our hearts are taken over completely by God. Pure in heart is having a heart that has been taken over by God, by him displacing all the worldly affections that defile our hearts. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus came to earth to make peace between God and man. God wants us, as Paul says, as much as possible. Live at peace with all men. Peace is to be a characteristic of all Christians. We are to show forth peace, the peace that we have received from God to all men. We are to tell of God's peace that we have received and we are to tell that out to all mankind. And in doing so, we are to be peaceable towards them. Peaceable. Is that our demeanour? Blessed are you when persecuted for righteousness' sake. Persecuted for godly righteousness. Here in our society today, persecution for righteousness sake is rather restrained rather than really blatant. People ridicule our faith as if it's an out-of-date old wives' tale. But persecution is growing. There is anger and disbelief that we don't support, same-sex marriage. We say that God's design for marriage is a man and woman only. There's anger when we protest about abortion, about gender transformation, all these things. More persecution is coming upon us as Christians. However, I think many Christians are plagued more from self-righteousness than godly righteousness. -righteousness Self-righteousness is a worldly quality and there's no kickback from the world for that. So how did we measure up? They're all the basic things that together make up a Christian character. Are they the basic characteristics of our lives in which we're growing? Maybe we need to go back to the basics again. Verse 30 says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord, Yahweh? Who is a rock except God? David is stating that there is no one who can match God, who is perfect in all of his ways. Not once has God ever proven to be false or to have failed. All that the Lord has said, promised and shown has proved to be true. So that being the case, there is no one else to go to in times of trouble when you need protection. He is to be your shield when you need a rest. He will be your refuge. A shield for protection and for refuge, for, a refuge for rest is vital for a warrior. There are times when a shield is necessary to take the enemy blows, to deflect the fiery darts. Other times, a warrior needs to take a total break to refresh and revitalise. You do that by turning to God. Going anywhere else will inflict you with pain. It's like trying to drink from an empty fountain that's been filled up with sand. There's no protection, no rest, no recuperation, and the world will overwhelm you. It will drag you down. The cords of death will reach up to grasp hold of you if you go anywhere else. Verse 32 to 36. The Lord who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. When you rely upon the Lord, God, for strength rather than looking to yourself or anybody else, your way will be blameless because it is the way of the Lord. It's the way that he directs you to go. God wants his warriors to show forth his character, to become more like his son, to walk as Jesus walked, to walk in the steps of Jesus Are we walking in Christ's footsteps? He has gone before us and he knows what we're experiencing. Verse 33, he made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me on a secure height, set me secure on the heights. In God's strength, doing God's work, we will be quick, fleet of foot, sure-footed. Our foot will not slip, which is very important when attacking an enemy or making a strategic withdrawal. Do we know God directing us so that we are secure in our faith and its profession? In the way that we live our life before the world. Verse 34, he trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. To bend a bow of bronze, you need to be incredibly strong, supernaturally strong. God's training is thorough with countless repetitions to build great strength to be far stronger than your enemy to be able to do incredible feats which we are naturally incapable of are we constantly reviewing our actions as we're going so that we're going in the strength of the Lord and not our own strength is God enabling us to do things we never thought we could do verse 35 i think this is such a great verse You have given me the shield of your salvation. This is saying that God's salvation is David's shield. This makes David invincible. Nothing can touch him. That God himself is his protection. Do we know God's protection? Do we believe that he is protecting us? Is that the way we think? Verse 35 goes on and says, and your right hand supported me. If God's right hand is supporting David or us, nothing can knock him or us down. God himself is holding him up. Do we experience God's hand holding us up? Or are we quickly knocked down? Verse 35 continues, and your gentleness has made me great. Isn't that an amazing thing? Your gentleness has made me great. Want to be a great man? Gentleness. God's gentleness, which makes one great, is the gentleness of humility. Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 said, Learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. Jesus, in truth, was the most powerful man that ever lived, and yet he characterized himself as gentle. Lowly of heart and he wants us to learn of him. Truly great men are humble men proving their greatness by humility and gentleness David acknowledges that it is God's gentleness which makes him great. God was gentle with him and God has given him gentleness gentleness is to be a mark of our character It was Jesus' gentleness combined with his compassion, his mercy that drew the poor, the broken, the downcast and the lonely. Are we able to be gentle with those who are struggling in circumstances of their lives which are overwhelming them? We're to learn from Jesus to be gentle and lowly. Verse 36, you gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. It's God who chose out the path that David trod so that he was always secure wherever he went. The path that God chose for him is open to us in God's word. Are we following God's leading in our lives through his word? Or are we off the straight and narrow path doing our own thing? This brings us to the end of David's training and equipping in verse 37. We move on to David's victories, God's victories. But before we do, I just want to focus on David's training and say that the way that God acted with David, he acts in the same way with us. The Apostle Paul made this very clear as when he said to us in Ephesians 6 verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Like David, he is saying, Find your strength in the Lord. He is all powerful. Look nowhere but to him for your strength. He is almighty God. Why are you trying to do things in your own strength? In verse 11, he says, Put on the whole armour of God. God gives us armour. Do we put it on? Do we know how to use it to protect ourselves? It's so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Do we stand against the schemes of the devil? Our armour has the purpose so that we can stand against Satan. Do we know that our enemy is Satan? Who or what do we spend our time and energy fighting? Do we spend it fighting one another? Or do we spend it fighting our sins? Can we see Satan behind every fight? In knowing that Satan is our enemy, do we know his schemes? Do we know how he fights? He is a dirty fighter. Looks harmless like a sheep, but he's a ravenous wolf. Are we unprepared when he attacks? Do we spend our time focused on people as our enemy? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do we understand our fight is against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places? Or do we spend all of our time in a flesh and blood fight? People, always our targets. They're the ones that we go after. We ignore the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil, and we fall for Satan's schemes time and time again. We're so lacking in discernment. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God so that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Look at our armour. We stand by putting on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation. Our armour is our defence against Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness. Just so we can stand. We need it because we're so vulnerable. Do we realise how vulnerable we are without our armour? God gives it to us to protect us. We have to be well practised in putting on the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation. Are we well practised in putting them on? Or do we keep coming undone and falling because we don't or we won't where the armour God has given us? Our weapons, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Do we really know how to use the Word of God? Do we know the Word of God? Do we read it every day? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God and praying in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Do you see that the word of God is directly to praying at all times, in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication? It is the word of God and praying and praying and praying. How far short do we fall on the praying, praying and praying? Prayer is what enables us the proper use of God's word. To what end is the armour? To keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints so that the mystery of the gospel might be boldly proclaimed. If the proclaiming of the mystery of the gospel is not at the forefront of what we're doing, we need to ask, are we fighting the good fight that God wants us to be engaged in? This doesn't mean that we're out preaching it to others all the time. Most of our time should be spent preaching it to ourselves so we can preach it to others. Is our way of life constantly reminding ourselves of what God's word says? How good a soldier are we? God gives us grace sufficient for each day. The grace that comes through the armour is that which he gives us. Are we experiencing all the grace that is available to us or are we missing out because we don't even put on the provided armour? Do we practise using it? Does the shield of faith quench all your fiery darts that get shot at you or are you constantly being stung by barbs? We account. For? Do they pierce you to the heart? Okay, we're going to look at victories of David, all of which he ascribes to God. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through and they were not able to rise. They fell at my feet. David, well equipped with armour and weapons, was a tactically trained, was victorious over all of his enemies. Is that a boast that we can make? Most of our enemies, as we have seen, are sins of our flesh. This is where the spiritual forces of wickedness in high places focus their attacks on us. Because that is where the natural man is most vulnerable. In arming us with all the pieces of armour, we effectively put on Christ. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, all that is to be only found in the Lord Jesus. And as we put the armour on, we put on Christ. That is what makes us a new man. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus our Lord. The new creation is a victorious man. Are we mightily victorious like David was? Have we pursued our sins and overtake them? Consumed them, thrust them through, they're unable to rise, they're under our feet? We can do it when we're closed in Christ because he did it. He did it for us when he defeated Satan, sin and death on the cross. He did it for us. We have that victory in Christ. Do we know it? Or are we fighting to overcome these things ourselves and failing? If you are, look around you. Where is your armour? You haven't got it on. It's laying discarded on the ground. It's all around you. Of course you're going to fail. Without your shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, shoes of peace, belt of truth, you are nothing. With them, you are in Christ and you are victorious. Look at verses 39 to 42. For you equipped me with strength for battle, and you made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them as dust before the wind. I cast them out like mire in the streets. David is describing complete victory. Because God did it. God was David's strength. God cast down those that rose up against him. God made his enemies turn and run from him. And as they ran, David destroyed them. His enemies cried out, but no one heard them. They cried out for the Lord, but he did not answer them. God was on David's side. David was able to beat them as dust and cast them into the streets. With the Lord, with Yahweh, David was enabled to have complete victory. Clothed in the full armour of Christ, we're able to have complete victory. It's hard work overcoming Satan, overcoming the sin in our life, overcoming our fear of death, but it is assured when you're clothed in Christ. Verses 43 to 45. You delivered me from strife with people. David had numerous occasions in his own life where he had strife with his own people. He had strife in his own family. Three sons, Amnon, Absalom and adon all sought to take his throne from him. And some of his mighty men sided with these sons to take the throne from David. But God delivered him. God delivered him from his sons, his own family. God delivered him from the people in his nation. We will have strife within our family. We will have strife with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is to Christ we look at such times. And when we do, he will deliver us. He will light up where we have failed so that we can fix our relationships with others through confession, repentance and forgiveness. David goes on, he says, You made me the head of nations. People who I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners come cringing to me. Foreigners lost heart and come trembling out of their fortresses. This certainly was an experience that David had. But for us, it is looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the foreigners who come to him like this, cringing lost of heart, trembling out of our crumbling fortresses. In Christ, this is also true of us because we wage warfare with the Spirit, with the sword of the Spirit, and with praying in the Spirit, and we see foreigners coming to Christ in response to the gospel of peace that we go to them with. God brings victory in their lives also. Notice all through this that all the great victories that David had were victories given to him by God. Verses 46 to 50 is glorying in all that God has done. This lesson we have to learn, the more we glory in the victory that God has in us, the more we will see it as a reality in our life. Not because our glorying earns it or deserves it, but because God takes up more of our lives as we glory in him. God's glory. Verse 46. The Lord lives, and blessed be the rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. David is exalting in blessing and praising the Lord who lives, who is his refuge and his salvation. David's salvation is a total salvation, even to taking vengeance on his enemies. It was God who took vengeance on his enemies and he gave that to David. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God subdued people under David. God rescued him, exalted him. It was all of God. It was God who delivered him from the man of violence, from Satan, who was trying to ensnare him, drag him down to death, to destruction. Satan, the violent man, is all about destruction. He wants to destroy you, so you can't enjoy fellowship with God. If you get deceived by him by falling for his schemes, rather than the way that God designed for you, he will drag you to death, to hell, eternal separation from God, or any benefit or blessing that you can receive from God. Destruction is not annihilation. Destruction is a state of eternal existence, but it is a state fit for no purpose or use. It's a state of uselessness in which there is no joy, no satisfaction, no fulfillment, no delight, no accomplishment, nothing but hopelessness and despair. It's so bad you wish it would end. You beg for it to end like the rich man did with Lazarus, but it won't end. It's eternal. David knew that the Lord, Yahweh, delivered him from the man of violence, from Satan and his schemes that led to death, to destruction, utter despair and hopelessness. He was delivered to eternal life with God. Eternal life with God means abundant life, overflowing with joy, delight, fulfillment, satisfaction, accomplishment, peace, rest. So much That it can't be contained. We should begin to have started to experience that now. Are you experiencing that now in your life? We should be. Our Christian life has started now. Our eternal life has started now. The blessings of eternal life begin to come into our life now. Verse 49. For this I will praise you, O Lord... Yahweh among the nations and sing to your way. David's reaction was one of praise to the Lord, and he wanted the nations to know, wanted the world to know. Are we so enthralled with the Lord that with Yahweh that we want to sing it out to the world? If we're not, maybe we need to rethink our perception of God, our understanding of who He is, of what He has done. Maybe we need to look at the language that we use in describing who God is, what he's done. Verse 50, David says, Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Verse 49 and 50 have this looking forward, past the present of David, down the future of the centuries to David's offspring, God's anointed. We know the future that David was looking to. We know who his offspring is. We know the mighty works that his offspring, the Lord Jesus Christ, did for us. We know how Jesus rescued us, delivered us, exalted us, even as God did to David. David sings, great salvation he brings to his king. What words would you use to describe our salvation? Think about it. Is our salvation just something that we... Except we don't really try to describe it. What is our reaction in being translated out of the grip of Satan's domain of sin, darkness, death, and destruction into the kingdom of God's dear Son? Light, life, and eternally abundant. Great. The word that David used is a really overused word today. I often say that was a great coffee. My salvation, do I compare it to a coffee? Can't we think in superlatives? Mighty, wondrous, glorious, unbelievable, amazing. I don't know, what other words can you think of? Is my salvation? I'm sure that's what David meant. Then we have God's steadfast love to us through David's anointed offspring, the Lord Jesus Whoever can begin to comprehend the love of God, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they could come to that agreement, that covenant in eternity past, that Jesus would come and die for our sins so that we could be restored to a right relationship with God so that he delights in us. That is incomprehensible. Open up your life to God. Open up your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Use the greatest, most wondrous words, phrases, endearments that you can think of when praising and worshipping and giving glory to God, the Father and the Son. Do it often, do it every day. And you will grow mightily in the fullness of God dwelling in you. Let's pray. Lift up your heads, O gates of our life. And be lifted up O ancient doors of our hearts that the king of glory may come in who is this king of glory the lord yahweh strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle defeating our enemies lift up your heads o gates of our life and lift them up o ancient doors of our hearts that the king of glory may come in who is this king of glory yahweh the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Amen.